Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. You're listening to episode 71 of the podcast for August 10th, 2009. Uh, this was recorded actually late last year in 2008, but it's a continuation of episode 53, our discussion with Patrick M. Anderson, the executive director of Chigachmute, which is a tribal consortium created to promote self-determination to the seven native communities of the Chigach region in Alaska. So among other things, they provide healthcare services, which is the um, focus of our discussion here, use of lean thinking and uh, culture in both the administrative and care delivery processes. So today, Patrick will talk a lot about um, culture uh, of an organization and values, how lean fits in with that, and how that helps them improve their delivery of patient care. So as always, I want to thank you for listening. Hey, final question. Um, you know, talking about you know culture and management system um, and, and the, the progress that the organization's made. How, how do you characterize um, progress in terms of results, or you know, how would you measure the results that you've had? Um, so far with Lean in, in the four years, and, and what kind of results would you expect um, in, in the future, either in regards um, to you know, the patient care, um, you know, em- employees, the organization itself? You know, that's the, the toughest question to answer, and probably, uh, oh gosh, I would think in my faculty days would, would take uh, four or five sessions to teach, Mark. Uh, <laughs> So I'm going to try and be brief enough, but <laughs> sure. expansive enough to, to convey my learning on, on that uh, part of what you asked for. Uh-huh. The biggest problem one has is employee resistance. Um, in most organizations, uh, when you come into the job, you're not oriented. Uh, a lot of times I've come into a job and they don't have a desk for me. It takes two, three, four, five days to find a place for me to be. And then finally they'll yeah. um, maybe orient me to, to benefits. Um, and then you're expected to learn the job on your own uh, because there are no systems defined and no one can break out the standard work and begin explaining how you fit in and what your role is and here's how you do things. That was the biggest problem uh, that I, I had. Uh, Chugachmute was built upon individual effort uh, and motivating people to uh, perform individually at their highest levels. But what that meant is that they weren't looking for opportunities to cooperate in, in processes with other people. Uh, they just wanted to make sure that when that work came into their hands, um, when it left their hands, it, it had their highest uh, individual quality of work possible. They didn't, mm-hmm. they didn't know or understand or um, uh, care that uh, the whole end result of that uh, may, may well have been, um, may, may been to add to uh, the, the number of defects and the amount of time it took for that process to happen. Sure. Um, I had what uh, I've learned are referred to in the trade as concrete heads. <laughs> right. uh, people who will tell you all kinds of wonderful things to your face, uh, but not make any attempt to understand um, 
basically if you figure that uh, the average tenure of a CEO is probably four or five years, we'll, we'll outlast this one yeah. uh, and we'll just keep doing things the way we're doing uh, things. Well, I, I came out of a successful law career. Um, I made a transition into nonprofit management because of a couple of uh, nonprofit issues that I wanted to uh, try and see the world or the United States deal with uh, those those issues, and particularly your fatherhood, um, restoring responsible fathers uh, mm-hmm. back into the lives of their children, um, and healthy relationships. Um, um, as a divorced um, father, I understand that uh, there are ways to make relationships healthy. Mm-hmm. So I, I came into nonprofit management with a mission, uh, and that mission had to focus on the people that we served. Well, that's a big change in and of itself. Uh, so I have employees who are comfortable doing things the way they've always done them. Um, they, they do respond when you go in and exhort them for a little period of time, but then they outweigh the managers and <laughs> that they, they back into what they were doing beforehand. Right. And then, of course, without uh, any transparency in the organization, you never know really where the defects occur. Um, and that's a common problem in all non-lean uh, organizations. Well, I, I did a couple of things that um, have taken a long time to uh, filter through the organization. The, the first is to have a sense of values, to have a, a um, corporate-wide um, culture of, of um, ethics, of morality, of uh, how you should uh, participate uh, in a social sense in the governance of, of your community. Uh, and then values, individual values, uh, like, um, you know, I'm paid for a, a seven and a half hour workday that starts at 8.30 and ends at 5. Um, my personal sense of values tells me that I'm going to give a full day's worth of work uh, for that full day's worth of pay. Uh-huh. Uh, that I'm going to be honest in how I use company resources, uh, that I'm going to be honest in how I interact with the people that we deal with, uh, and most important, how we are going to work to benefit the people that we're here to serve. Mm-hmm. Getting that customer focus, um, it, it, it meant I had to display that day in, day out. It meant that I had to speak about it frequently, and we had to write it into our policies and our procedures and most of all, um, emphasize at any time we dealt with value streams, that at some point the customer enters our stream of service, and at some point they exit, and in between you need to make sure that the service that they're getting is the absolute best we can give. Not the absolute best, because otherwise you have no room for continuous improvement, Mm -hmm. but the absolute best that we can give, and then when we discover defects, we're going to improve that service even more. Uh, those were difficult lessons, um, but we proceeded with them as we began to do the analysis of the workplace. Uh-huh. Um, and in administrative lean, there are, in 2004, were, were darn few examples we could look to. Uh, the manufacturing industry, um, even I, uh, just sitting on the board of the plastics plant, I, I can walk into a factory. Uh, into a plant and immediately see the the waste or the muda that exists, and uh, I can probably go in and lead a pretty competent uh, kaizen and have some decent results by the end of the week. In in administrative lean, uh, 
a lot of what you see is is transparent. Right. Um, I mean, not transparent. It's invisible. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of things that happen, you actually have to take out the stopwatch. You have to sort of break out the, the post-it pad, and you have to follow that. But you can't do it usually because lots of times the uh, value stream can be, uh, like I mentioned with uh, with our uh, hiring processes, 144 days long. Yeah. So you find a lot of inboxes that you have to look at and a lot of uh, other work that those individuals are doing because of uh, their intersection with a whole bunch of value streams, um, it's complex. Sure. Uh, so we didn't learn a lot of that uh, up front, but we still managed to conduct a number of Kaizen. And what it told us uh, fairly immediately is that uh, most of our systems were really bad. Um, our document management system, the absolute lifeblood of everything we do as government contractors was severely broken. Um, you asked about measurement. Mm-hmm. We didn't know how to measure an administrative environment uh, other than by uh, individual isolated parts of it. When we started our document management system, um, you know, we did take measurements of the amount of paper that we had in the organization, uh, which was a lot. Um, but we didn't measure the amount of wasted time that came in looking for lost documents, mm. recreating lost documents, or in in transporting those documents. I, I sure wish uh, I could go back and and uh, do that measurement. But I realize now that I couldn't to begin with because we were so poorly run, we were fighting fires all the time, and I didn't have enough staff time sure. to uh, really do those measurements. Um, so we we uh, started a central records management system, um, and it was a godsend because we began learning uh, about the the transport part, about the accessibility part, uh, about uh, one piece flow, and making sure the documents were there when you needed them. Uh, and, and it also stretched our uh, strategic vision, and we began to realize that uh, with the improvements that we were making, even having paper documents was waste. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're poised right now through selection of a, of a new finance and accounting uh, enterprise resource platform to go digital for all of our finance records and then all of the other records beyond that it's very easy to uh, scan and, and to store digitally. So in about six months we should be a, a completely paperless office um, and, and the changes in that are, are just uh, in, incredible. The elimination of our accounting staff having to track down signers uh, for checks is just, you know, it, it's basically going to be um, days and days of savings every month. Yeah. Uh, same thing with our IT. Um, most companies don't want to invest in IT, but we changed our thinking to realize that IT is a tool, and uh, if people don't have good equipment, it can cost a lot of waste. Uh, the example that I used uh, at the Lean Healthcare Conference in Nashville uh, had to do with my HR manager. Uh, the little example I, I cited of, of just the amount of time it took her to save documents in, a, in an antiquated system using um, fully depreciated equipment 
was two and a half days for one employee every year. Mm. And I had 60 employees at the time, probably uh, 45 or 50 of them who had to save. So that's practically a man year worth wow. of labor. Mm-hmm. What we found, uh, Mark, is that after our first year, we had freed up enough time for us to begin to dedicate more effort to some of the strategic initiatives that also paid back the investment in in increased productivity and increased service to our our customers and our our clients. Um, And we had some real doozies for issues, including uh, resistance of my healthcare team to some of the improvements. I had uh, five mid-level practitioners quit on me, and it took a year for us to replace them uh, in a reorganization, and, and that's stressful, yeah. uh, particularly on my human resource staff. But um, as the changes have come into place, what we're finding is that we're focusing on our customers. We're providing more services. Uh, we have a communication strategy right now that's driven by a wellness and prevention program. Uh, my staff, in fact, uh, um, the, the, the reason I told you that um, I had to wait until um, this period of time is that my staff in the healthcare division is now uh, working on a planned care strategy with the Indian Health Service, and we have a, a weekly teleconference where we discuss um, some of the techniques that have been tried, and we then are able to devise our own experiment on how that can fit into um, uh, our practice. Uh-huh. We have the resources now to actually fund the um, research uh, committee work and training and implementation of an electronic health record. Mm. Um, Our grant writing has improved so much that right now what we're doing is we have a pretty significant grant to uh, implement a a more aggressive telemedicine system that will integrate behavioral health. And the work that we did qualified us for being one of the um, the, 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 the uh, key uh, partners for the University of Washington in a depression screening protocol that has mm-hmm. been tested in non-Indian country but is now being tested through Chugachmute in Indian country. Uh-huh. But we're going to bring uh, screening for depressive and anxiety issues into our primary care center. We're going to be able to structure a brief intervention and hopefully that will help improve the quality of life of our patient. Uh, some of the results that we heard out of the uh, uh, screenings that have been done in, in non-Indian country are that uh, some patients with chronic conditions have reduced the days that they have suffered uh, debilitating depression by as much as 100 days a year. Yeah. So we're thinking futuristically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have the time to address and to research and to study and to participate in, in a lot of initiatives because we're not fighting the fires that we fought uh, before Lean came into our corporate existence. Yeah. So it sounds like you're taking a, a really good long-term view and systemic view of not just measuring short-term results of you know existing measures, existing processes, but really taking a look at, it sounds like, you know, freeing up time, freeing up capability to provide better care and, and preventive medicine. Did I, did I summarize that? You summarized it very well. Uh, not only are we looking within our own system, but uh, Toyota 
has uh, paid extreme attention to its supply chain. And as I mentioned early in this uh, discussion, we rely on the Alaska Native Medical Center and the South Central Foundation for a lot of our services. I, about two and a half years ago, started uh, advocating for the Alaska Native Tribal Health System to begin using process management, and particularly in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're getting some traction. Um, you'll probably recall the discussion about St. Joseph's Hospital in West Virginia and and the fact that they were able to double the amount of time that their nurses were able to spend with patients just right. in a one-week Kaizen. Uh, I use that example with the CEO of the Alaska Native Tribal Health uh, Consortium. I've been uh, leaning on him for quite a while to begin uh, a process of, of uh, converting the tribal health system management to uh, a lean management style. And, and um, he is familiar with the uh, Institute for Healthcare Improvements initiatives on, on lean, although <coughs> I think he has a lot to learn, but he's willing to learn. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think our, our system is going to work, but that comes out of my staff doing the work and freeing me up to be able to be involved in the greater statewide tribal health care system uh, and to begin to advocate for uh, adoption of, of uh, lean uh, management uh, methods within within the institutions that we have to deal with. Uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited. I think uh, the trend is happening yeah. uh, in Alaska. Well, that that's great to hear, and it, it is exciting, and it sounds like um, that time that you're freeing up by not giving people the answers and... and you know, dictating solutions to people. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that that's a lot of the time that's freed up for you to work on these more strategic, wide-ranging initiatives. Uh, that and mediating uh, arguments and disputes among staff uh, based on their political perceptions. When we went to a fact-based, non-judgmental, no-blame, no-shame environment, uh, the politics steps out of the equation, and we're now focused on what serves the patient, what is scientific, mm-hmm. what can we prove? Um, you know, we, we have a long way to go in uh, measuring performance, but like I said, uh, uh, we don't have many examples in administrative lean. We do have some in lean healthcare, but a lot of those are hospital-related, which uh, don't really fit our clinics. But uh, we're also realizing that um, while we need to be knowledgeable of the day-to-day process management, the big gains in healthcare are going to come from our children if we can educate them mm-hmm. on how to build a stress-free life, how to deal with behavioral health issues early on, proper nutrition, and good uh, exercise. Um, you know, the healthcare system will be incredibly transformed in uh, in you know, 15, 20, 30 years when those yeah. uh, individuals start hitting the healthcare system. And in the meantime, we need to figure out how best to help our chronic care patients learn about their issues and then to adopt some of the same uh, solutions, Uh, good diet, exercise, good hydration, reduction of stress, all uh, dealing with their behavioral health issues, uh, and their quality of life will go up. So those are the measures that uh, we're finding now become really important to us, Mark, not necessarily the day-to-day process improvements, which are becoming second nature for us to document. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Patrick, I can't thank you enough for uh, taking time out to uh, talk with me and, and the listeners. You know, I, I really, um, I'm really glad I had the chance to meet you at the Productivity Inc. conference and, and that you're you know, willing to share your story and your progress there in Alaska. Well, I view this as a, a mission, Mark. Um, there are patients out there who are dying needlessly because of a system in which we have fantastic well-trained, well-meaning people, but working in very bad processes. Yeah. And, and I've just seen how much working on process management can improve the ability of an organization to meet the needs of patients. That uh, I feel that, uh, probably like you do, I have to preach that particular gospel, gospel because people are dying yeah. when they don't have to. That's very true. And so good luck with your continued efforts. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure your words and thoughts here have you know, uh, inspired some others to, to take action. And you know, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. I certainly today. hope so. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.